what is going on everybody welcome back it is dog talk with holden hope everybody's doing good today glad to have you guys here we are being shot out of a cannon there is a whole lot going on around the country after rivalry week comes to an end we got coaches going left and right we got questions being asked we got questions being answered teams moving what a crazy week what a crazy week rivalry rivalry week rivalry week is always a crazy week but i don't know that it's been as crazy as this week is turning out a lot of games a lot of craziness has happened in games well since that point all day sunday after these games saturday coaches have just been moving left and right we've got a couple of named coaches in places where we weren't sure who was going to be coaches and then we've also got some guys going places that you'd never expect never expect it is crazy. We're going to hit that off the top. We're going to talk a little bit about the news. We're going to talk some of the AP poll um, because that's all we've got as far as ranking goes. Uh, we do not have, obviously, until Tuesday afternoon. This is being recorded on Monday, so you guys will get this Tuesday. But that part of the show, uh, I'll, I'll add that as far as the top five. Really, I guess I'll do probably the top ten of the college football playoff poll whenever it comes out on Tuesday. I'll, I'll drop that Wednesday night so you guys will have that Thursday preview in the SEC championship that's coming up but we'll at least go to the ap poll and kind of look at some of the change up there because um, that's the only poll we have to look at we're going to talk about some of this news we're going to break down georgia tech and then we're going to start turning our attention to the sec championship game against alabama this upcoming weekend but before we do that we'll talk about all the games that did happen around the country we'll talk about some of that craziness that happened in a lot of these games from this past weekend because bedlam was bedlam the Iron Bowl was the Iron Bowl. I mean, just wild games, wild games, wild games. But glad to have you guys here first and foremost. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at DogTalk20. I'd appreciate that on YouTube. Go check out the YouTube channel. Thought I would have it up and running by now, but I still do not have a camera up and running. Um, and I just don't like the webcam, so I'm not going to use it. But this is the main way that I talk to you guys anyway through this content. But you guys can still go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit that bell so that way when I do put out a new episode on YouTube, boom, you'll get it immediately. You'll get the notification that it's going up. And you can watch it if you guys feel entitled to. I would appreciate that. Um, also, if you guys want to support the show, I always leave the description in, or excuse me, I leave the link in the description of every show. Uh, if you want to support the show, just click it. It gives you a couple of options to be able to do so monthly. Um, we'll greatly appreciate that if you guys want to. Let me see. Website, dog, dogtalkpod.com. Spell the way it's supposed to be, D-A-W-G, talkpod.com. Uh, if you guys want to check that out as well, that'd be good. I do want to start things off the top. Georgia, with a commit, Sean Washington, coming out of New Orleans, a Louisiana guy, three-star, uh, commits earlier this evening. That was great to see him coming. Another guy just to add to this number one class for the 2022 class. Unbelievable, unbelievable what the recruiting ranks have been doing for Georgia this year. Right now, Georgia is number one in the country, obviously number one in the SEC, projected now to be number one next year as well in the 2023 class. A lot of this is going to also be coming and happening because of all of the coaching changes that are happening. Let's talk about that now. Florida, we knew that Dan Mullen was out. They have named a head coach just a week later after Dan, or yeah, Dan Mullen was fired, and it is Billy Napier. Billy Napier is coming in as Florida's head coach here, and we thought that that would get a lot of attention until all of a sudden Lincoln Riley out of Oklahoma decides, all right, well, I'm headed to USC, leaving Oklahoma, headed to USC, shocking the world. That took absolutely no time. 
when that happened to everybody just forgetting all about what was going on with Florida because that's the bigger news. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable. He he did say at the end of the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game that he was not going to LSU. He was not going to be the head coach. And he didn't lie. I, got, I mean, I got to give him credit there. He did not lie about it. He did say that he's not going. So, now that doesn't mean he's not going to USC because, boom, he, he is already there. Already there. Already have it. It has opening statement i guess there at usc crazy crazy and then today as i'm reading looking like lsu is going to be hiring brian kelly if you guys are listening to this this is on wednesday more than likely this news i'm reading it tuesday or excuse me monday afternoon slash evening so this by the time you get this on tuesday probably has already dropped if it hasn't become official but that's something to kind of look forward to is brian kelly being the lsu head coach coming up that should be announced tomorrow uh then auburn auburn firing mike bobo at the end of this season mike bobo the offensive coordinator he will be out and then the only other rumor that is going around right now which i don't know that there's a lot of validity to but we will as always keep our ears peeled out for this one there's the possibility that brent venables clemson's uh, coach could be headed to oklahoma could be now again this is just speculation i don't know how much truth there is behind this this could just be one of those that's floating around the internet that you see and you're just like i don't know sometimes they're true sometimes they're not but nonetheless coaches headed left and right it has got the transfer portal lighting up like a christmas tree right now we're in the christmas season we're we're a day away from december by the time you guys listen to this i just i i there are a lot of guys who are not going to be playing football next year because they're going to be stuck in the transfer portal. As many guys who are decommitting, which that's that's completely different, but guys who are going to be leaving their teams as well, I don't know what's about to happen in college football over the next year, but there there is some absolute, absolute craziness going on right now as we stand at the end of rivalry week, as we prepare for championship week, getting into all the conference championships. There's a lot of craziness going Again, this is going to change a lot for recruiting. And like I said just a minute ago, Georgia picking up another recruit for the 2022 class that is at the top and looking to do the same with some of the 2023 commits, trying to pick some of those up from some other guys that are leaving as you do have stability at Georgia. That is a good thing. I've been reading that a lot today, and it's very true, very true. So a lot of craziness going on in the world as far as news goes outside of Georgia. Now let's talk about a little bit of news inside of Georgia right now. As always, we kind of update some of the injury front. What I was reading earlier from Kirby Smart's press conference is, uh, you know, I I tweeted this out in the game. We saw Kiaris Jackson come in, and he was able to run a little bit on some punt returns, and then all of a sudden we didn't see him again. Didn't see him come back in in a wideout spot. Didn't see him come back in in punt return either. I think Ladd pretty much took over from that point on in this game. Uh, I think they said he had, like, some bruised ribs or something, but he should be okay. Jamar Sawyer. Thought that they were going to be able to go with him. Was not quite ready to get back in that rotation, I think, this past week against Georgia Tech. And then Kendall Milton, they did say, looked better last week. Not so good in warm-ups this past week. Uh, but it's all about confidence on that MCL, trying to get him back, hopefully, this week. One fun thing, and we talked about this. I tweeted this out as well. Soon, soon we would get to see George Pickens. I knew that he was working with the twos and the threes last week. And even at the end of the last week, before this Tech game, he started to get reps with the ones, and even in warm-up beforehand, everybody noticed he was getting the reps with the one, and sure enough, you get to see him come in. He gets a touch. We're going to talk about that as we dive into the game some, but I was glad to see him get his feet wet. That was one of the biggest things I wanted to see. 
if he is going to be able to get in this season and make a difference in this SEC championship game, we have got to get his feet wet, start to get his feet wet, and just get back in the groove. That's all there is to it. Don't know that he's going to be a huge contributor to the SEC championship game just because he still has a little ways to go to get to that 100% healthy mark to where he has no problem cutting on a leg or anything like that. Now, I did see, I think it was, uh, was it Kenny Max touchdown where – uh, George goes and celebrates and jumps up in there. I think everybody kind of went, <gasps> kind of took a deep breath, hoping that when he came down, it was nice and soft, nice and soft. So, But glad to see him back on the field. We had talked a lot about that earlier in the week, and uh, we're very excited to see him not only get back on the field, but actually get a catch in this game again. Didn't matter for too, too much, but it is what it is. Now, let's get into some of the conversation around the Georgia Tech game where the dogs absolutely rolled Tech 45 to nothing. This was a fun game. Again, Georgia does their job, shutting Tech out 45 to nothing. Stetson Bennett comes in, does his job, 14 for 20, 255 yards, a four-touchdown game. I think this was his second or his third four-touchdown-plus game. What, this season? Is that right? Anyway, I don't know. So, looking at some team stats here. Georgia puts up 463 total yards, 255 through the air, 208 on the ground. Four touchdowns come through the air. Four touchdowns. So the strangest thing to me is that we didn't get nearly as much on the ground as we anticipated. Now, we're still putting up 208 yards. We held Tech to 166 yards total in this game, 68 yards through the air, less than 100 at 98 yards on the ground. Obviously, no touchdowns. A kind of crazy stat here that people weren't really talking about, Georgia had no penalties in this game, no penalties. You talk about in a rivalry game when things usually get extremely chippy and usually you just have these – Silly calls, you know, just all really based on discipline. Georgia did not have a single penalty in this game. Not one. Nothing. Unreal to see that. There were also no turnovers in this game, so everybody was very stingy with the ball, which was which was good. Georgia, 21 first downs in this one, held Tech to only nine. Georgia Tech's most success they had on the night outside of one big, one big pass down the sideline that one guy did actually get behind some of our uh, – some of our secondary. Outside of that, their their biggest success on the day was getting past the 50-yard line. That only happened a couple times in this game. So Georgia offensively does their job, defensively does their job. We'll talk a little bit more about defense here in just a second. We've got to start off, as always, with the offense and how things look. Stetson Bennett was not the quarterback in this entire game, but he was the only quarterback to throw a pass in this game, even though JT Daniels did come in. I think JT didn't come in until like the third quarter. I think Stetson was in pretty much for the entire first half and starting the third quarter before JT Daniels got in to end the third quarter, starting into the fourth, and you even saw Carson Beck, but neither of which actually threw the ball in this game. So all the passing, all the passing goes to Stetson Bennett. 14 for 2255 yards, 12.8 was his average with four touchdowns. QBR of 97-2, check this out. Leading rusher was Kenny Mack. Two carries, 66 yards, one touchdown. DeJounte were six touches, 43 yards, one touchdown. Now, Kenny Mack did have that big 59-yarder uh, down the sideline for a touchdown, which was awesome. But neither James Cook nor Zamir White, neither one got a touchdown in this game. Both did rush for over 30 yards, 34 for Zeus and 37 for James Cook. Uh, averaging Kenny Mack, this is the crazy thing. Again, he only touched the ball twice, did have a touchdown on that 59-yarder, but averaged 33 yards. DeJon Edwards on six touches, 7.2 yards. James Cook, 4.6 on eight touches. Zeus, six touches, 5.7 yards per carry. So you had a lot 
uh, a lot of a lot of carries for your wide, or for your running backs there which hey we're all for 208 yards by the end of it but it was still kind of wild that we only put up two touchdowns on the ground but hey we didn't have to do anything more than that uh, Georgia Tech surprisingly kind of really started to drop back into zero coverage a couple times and Stetson Bennett absolutely was dropping bombs dropping bombs right in the pockets now there were a couple of passes he had to AD that were not uh not necessarily what I was expecting to see just because I think AD is a really good player and I think he's going to get better and better every week and every year I think he's going to be a stud for us here in a couple of years when he gets a little bit older a little bit more you know getting into that playbook and understanding more of the game of football when it comes to this level playing for Georgia so I'm expecting him to get a lot better but it was kind of wild to see some of the passes to him when he was he was pretty much had a defender draped over him um but nonetheless, was glad to see uh, Stetson have another good day. A good day. Brock Bowers, leading receiver in this with three touches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Why in the world this dude is not up for tight end of the season, tight end of the year? I, I don't have a clue. He has got to be the best tight end in the country and is not even in the reward. I, I don't even remember what the award is for it. Thorpe, I, I don't remember which one it is for a tight end, but. Two touchdowns, has that 77-yard touchdown pass down the middle and just smokes by everybody. Smokes by everybody. I tweeted this out. I'd love to see a foot race between Brock Bowers and Kenny Mack because the way those two ran uh, against Tech this weekend, my goodness, wide open. Second leading receiver with 30 yards, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. Jermaine Burton, he had that huge touchdown on the only touch he got on the night, one touchdown. Uh, on that 25-yard pass to him. Lab McConkey had a touchdown, two touches, 19-yard. Darnell had that one catch for 18 yards. Kenny Mack had the two for 18 yards. Then Kiaris, he had one touch for 16. Zeus had one for 15. Adonis Mitchell only had one for nine, even though he was he was actually, uh, I think he was thrown to quite a few times. And then there's the name. There's the name we all been waiting on, George Pickens. One catch, five yards. But, hey, he's getting his feet wet, 255 yards. Glad to see that. Four Four touchdowns, four touchdowns. Georgia absolutely dominating when it comes down to it as far as offensively goes. And I'm going to look back and see if I can find my stat here real quick on how Georgia's offense is continuing to compare because I am going to make this comparison here in just a little bit when Georgia does play Alabama in the SEC championship game. We're not going to dive deep into it today. Not going to dive too deep into it today because uh, – that's just is what it is. And I'm looking here now. They actually have finally put it up already. That is breaking news. LSU will be hiring Brian Kelly. So that is happening um, as we speak. So that's kind of exciting that we do actually get to put this in the pod instead of it being something that doesn't come out until tomorrow when the show is available to you guys. So when you're listening to this, it will have already dropped. So no breaking news, I guess. But anyway. Let me look and see if I can get these stat comparisons for championship week next week so I can kind of tell you where we stand moving forward in the SEC championship game. That is really weird. So I've got all this stuff pulled up on ESPN, and it shows Friday, December 3rd, Western Kentucky at UTSA. That's for the Ryan Conference USA Championship, uh, and it's got Ole Miss and Mississippi State's logo as their logos. Man, that's weird looking. But anyways, let me get down to Georgia and Alabama just so I can look at the stat comparisons, because that's going to tell us where we are here after the Georgia Tech game. Georgia's offense right now, 
still, still points per game, 40.7, still averaging over 40 points per game, and that is not what anybody in this country is talking about. Everybody in the country is talking about how good Georgia's defense is. Oh, their defense is elite. They've been shutting guys out. Georgia has allowed less than 17 points in the entire season in 12 games. That's the first time, first time that that has happened since, what, 1979, I think the last I looked, where Herschel Walker was a senior in high school still. So, but again, I've said this all season. Everybody keeps sleeping on Georgia's offense, but has quietly put up over 40 yards per game, or 40 points per game, 40.7 points per game. Let me show you the comparison. I know this is looking forward, but Alabama, 42.3 points a game. Well, you're, you're talking about less than two points per game difference than Alabama, who whose offense we've all considered to be very good. But the biggest number, and talking about that defense, 6.9 points per game is what we're allowing. We'll get to the defense in a minute. But total yards, we're averaging 442.3. And like I said a minute ago, we pretty much put that up 255 to 208. So what are you looking at? 260. So we 460, excuse me. So we outdid our total yards. 240 through the air is what we're averaging. Look at there, we hit 255. 202 on the ground. Look at there, we hit 208. I told you guys last week coming into this and that Georgia should be able to do whatever they want to do against tech and they should be able to put up these numbers no problem because tech was also giving that up they were also giving it up so very proud of georgia's offense to continue to do the things that it was kind of a crazy thing to see what uh what cbs did in this game i don't know if anybody else picked up on this i'm sure you guys did but in the game following this i think it was actually it may have been in the iron bowl they they took a little takeaway and said all right the heisman moment of the day and it showed the big touchdown pass from Stetson Bennett actually to uh, to Jermaine Burton where he dropped it in the pocket in the end zone for that 25-yard touchdown and started talking about how Stetson, maybe he deserves a chance to go to New York. That's something we really hadn't talked about. And I know a lot of people really wouldn't expect to talk about that just because of the way the season has kind of shook out. But that is what it is. That is what it is. Again, very proud of the offense. Stetson continues to do a great job. I'm glad that JT was able to get in and continue to kind of get some reps in case he is needed in this ACC championship game. If you had told us this five, six weeks ago, most all of us were still going to say the same thing. Yeah, Stetson might can get us there, but it's going to take JT to get us over the hump. I think everybody slowly but surely, including myself, because I've also doubted it myself, and you can listen back in previous episodes, and I've said this, and, and, and I'll reiterate here. I did not believe that Stetson Bennett was the guy who could make it all the way. I say that, and I, I admit it now. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm starting to believe. And I may as well because that's where we are. We look back at the first half of the Alabama game last year in the regular season, and Stetson Bennett did his job. Georgia Bulldogs were leading Alabama last year, the team who went on to win the national championship, the only team in the country to hold Alabama and actually have a lead on Alabama at the half, that was Georgia, and that was with Stetson Bennett. Now, he gets hurt after that, a little banged up, and just didn't really look the same in the second half of that game. Was not able to get the ball vertical. This is a completely different season, and I'm not, not again, I'll, I'll get to some of that here coming up, but I now believe that Stetson Bennett is the guy, and we have got wideouts that are here that are going to be able to catch the ball. And we have got running backs that can run the ball as long as everybody's blocking like they're supposed to be. As long as everybody's blocking like they're supposed to be.
Now let's talk about those third down dogs. Georgia's defense shutting out another team. Another team this season. Another team this season, Georgia, shutting out. And it can't be much better when it is your rival against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Nakobe Dean leading the charge. Six total tackles, half a sack. Quay Walker, five total tackles, half a sack. Lewis Seen, five tackles. Jalen Carter, four tackles. Jamon Dumas Johnson, four tackles with a sack. Nolan Smith, four tackles. Latavius Burney, three. Devontae Wyatt, three. William Poole, two. Channing Tindall, two. The guys got after it. Eight tackles for loss. Three sacks. Quarterback hurries three times. One pass breakup on the night. 59 total tackles, 27 of those solo. Again, three sacks on the night. Georgia, absolutely doing work. Doing work. Had Jordan Yates moving the entire game. Six times total, they say, that he had to carry the rock. Obviously, three of those being sacks. Lost 28 yards in this game. Lost 28 yards in this game. You got to love it. You got to love it from the dogs. They were able to also hold Georgia Tech's receiving to only four total guys getting touches. Four. Four total guys getting touches, 68 yards is what they got. They averaged 8.5 yards per catch. That's it. Dylan Leonard, he was their best guy. Two touches, 43 yards. On the ground, they run the ball 98 yards. Dante Smith was their best guy, 59 yards. Jordan Mason right behind him at 59 yards. But that was it. That was it. Eight for six for their quarterback, 68 yards. Averaged 4.3 yards a, a, a throw. They only averaged 2.8 yards on the ground. Georgia's defense, lockdown. Lockdown yet again. You just can't ask for better. That's all there is to it. You can't ask for better. Cannot ask for better. I mean, I, I want to sit here and talk about it all night, all day. Nick Saban did give a little bit of praise to the big man in Jordan Davis. And I think they were saying it was Scott that Scott Cochran that actually was the one who kind of coined the phrase there for the defense. Hey, if I got two on me, that means somebody's loose. That means somebody's open. So somebody else can go make a play. And he is big about being that kind of guy where if he's got to take on two guys, great, because guess what? That means somebody's open. And Georgia feasted. You know, we were able to get back in the backfield if it wasn't affecting a pass, if it wasn't getting tackles for loss, it was sacking a quarterback. So Georgia did their job defensively yet again. Obviously, you're putting up zero points in this game. Again, Georgia Tech's stronghold, there was the one pass, one pass that went for 40 yards. It was a big pass. They were able to get past our secondary. Kind of made me a little nervous, but I do think that occasionally we are just going to have a little bit of a breakup, and it's, it's hard to say that you can win a game like that if you do that against an Alabama but I do not want anybody to be afraid coming up if something like that were to happen. Some things just do happen. But I do believe that between uh, Channing Tindall being able to get in the backfield, between all of our guys, Nicobe Dean, Nolan Smith, these guys getting in the backfield, Quay Walker, Lewis Seen, all of these guys being able to wreak havoc on what's coming up, I think we're going to be just fine. Because with Darian Kendrick back there and Keely Ringo, I feel pretty good pretty good about that secondary and I think they are learning each and every week and getting better and better it is also kind of crazy to think this is really Keely Ringo's first year in this system really the first year being in this system so I don't really feel too bad about uh, any of that because he's just constantly getting better just constantly getting better which is always awesome to see and awesome to hear so really that's all I want to break down as far as the Georgia Georgia Tech game goes I don't, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head 
you know, we only had to punt the ball one time. They had to punt the ball seven times. So Georgia did the job there. Hot Pod only had to kick one field goal. Did his job on that, a 38-yarder. So that's pretty much all I'm going to break down as far as Georgia Tech game goes. Let's jump into some of the games around the country real quick before we start to somewhat preview the SEC Championship game coming up. Here's what we got. Jumping all the way back to Thanksgiving Thursday, you did have the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. That was a good one. Ole Miss does pull it out 31-21. On Friday, you get Boise and San Diego State. San Diego State pulling it off 27-16. Then you get Iowa and Nebraska. Nebraska, yet again, I told you. They keep playing these games where it feels like they're going to finally knock somebody off. They just cannot close, and they didn't close. Lost it 28-21. Arkansas-Mizzou, this was a good one. Uh, Arkansas finally ending that drought. Ending that drought. Arkansas, I didn't realize this until hearing about it earlier. Arkansas ended a lot of droughts. They ended the drought against Missouri, against LSU, against Texas A&M, and they won like three rivalry trophies this season, and this was the first time that anybody on the team has actually got to hold one of those. So that was actually pretty cool. Arkansas pulls it off 34-17. Then Cincinnati took care of ECU 35-13 to remain unbeaten. The only two unbeaten teams left in the country, Georgia and Cincinnati. Wouldn't you know it, the Peach Bowl runners from last year. Colorado and Utah. Utah takes that 28-13. NC State and UNC. UNC had it. NC State on the way back wins at 34-30. Then we get to the Saturday slate. The biggest one. Game day was there. Huge game. Harbaugh, excuse me, has not been able to take down uh, Ohio State since being there at Michigan. He finally did, 42-27. to There was a chance there for Ohio State to get back in it, and, and Michigan decided, you know what, we're, we're, not, we're not taking the foot off the pedal. Drives right down Oklahoma, excuse me, Ohio State's throat, puts it in the end zone one more time to put this game away, dominating. Dominating in the snow. It was awesome to see. Number five, Michigan taking down number two, Ohio State, 42-27. Great game there. Baylor taking down Texas Tech by a field goal, 27-24. Wake beating Boston College, 41-10. Houston taking down UConn, 45-17. UTSA falls to University of North Texas. That was one of the undefeateds left. Left no more after losing 45-23. Then we get to Oregon, Oregon State, Oregon, pulling it off 38-29. Penn State, I thought, was going to take Michigan State down, but Michigan State comes back, wins it by a field goal, 32-27. Minnesota, I almost went with the Gophers in this when they take down number 14, Wisconsin, 23-13, which knocks Wisconsin out of, what is it, the Big Ten play or Big Ten uh, championship. Now Michigan will go for the first time in forever, and it won't be against Wisconsin. It's going to be against Iowa. It's going to be against Iowa. But then you get Texas A&M, LSU. How about that? The last-minute drive, LSU, Putting the dagger in, number 15, Texas A&M, 27 to 24. Bedlam was Bedlam. Oklahoma goes down 37 to 33. Oklahoma State finally winning that one. Uh, it's been a few years since that's happened, so they will be headed to the uh, Big 12 Conference Championship. Then you got Pitt taking down Syracuse, 31 to 14. Clemson takes care of South Carolina handedly, 30 to nothing. Notre Dame taking down Stanford, 45 to 14. BYU taking down USC, 35 to 31. And then we talk about the Iron Bowl, and I talk about this because this is what we have coming up. That we're going to talk about. Actually, I want to jump to Florida and Florida State. Thought Florida State was going to be able to come back at the end of that when they end up falling to Florida. I think it was 24 to 20, something like that, or 23 20, something like that. It was, it was a Really tight game, 21-24, something like that anyway. doesn't matter. Thought FSU was going to get the opportunity, and at the end, wouldn't you know it, they go for an onside kick and just completely flub it. Completely flub it. Kicker's cleat just barely does touch the ball, falls off the tee. Hey, that counts as a kick. 
that touched the ball, it's considered a, a down. But anyway, bah, FSU loses. Thought they could take down the Gators. Had the chance at the end, but blew it. Florida does end up winning. Now, let's talk about the Iron Bowl. Number three, Alabama. Unranked Auburn, who has been in and out of the rankings all season. Unranked. And Alabama had to go to four overtimes to win this game. And not to go to four overtimes to win this game 58-54. No. Went to four overtimes to win this game 24-220. Alabama did not score a touchdown for 59 minutes and like 36 seconds in this game. They had, they had scored a field goal for everybody out there going, oh, they put points on the board. It took them almost the entire game. There was, what, less than 30 seconds left in the game before Alabama finally put a touchdown on the board in this game. It was 10 to nothing at the half. It was 10 to nothing going into the fourth quarter. And then finally they get a, get a field goal in it. And then last-minute drive, Auburn thinks they've got it knocked out. All they needed was a couple of yards for a first down to – Put it on ice. Couldn't get it. Stuffed at the line. Have to punt it. They did pin Alabama all the way back on their own three. That's also the sad part. 97 yards. 97 yards is what it took. Only only took like a minute and some change to be able to get that and put the touchdown to tie it up. Go to overtime. Alabama scores. Auburn scores. Auburn kicks the field goal. Alabama kicks the field goal. Auburn goes for two. Alabama goes for two, and then Auburn can't get the two, followed by Alabama getting the two to end this one, 24-22. to 22. What a game. What a game. This is the first time the Iron Bowl has gone to overtime, much less four. And let's talk about the overtime rule first because I just don't know. I know the LSU and who was it, Texas A&M game a few years ago that went to seven overtimes. That is basically the reason they came up with this rule, but I don't like it. I really don't I don't I don't like the going for two back and forth. Now, I don't want it to be like NFL where you kick off and it's like you got the entire field. I, I don't really care for that because the first team's guys I don't really like that, especially if you got two teams who have been playing defense so well when it took Alabama fifty nine minutes to score. What what do you think how how long do you think it was gonna take them to score again if that need be not being inside the red zone? But I digress. I don't really care much for I don't really care much for that. Again, that is just my opinion, but don't really care for it. Kind of wish we'd have stuck to the old rules and maybe ch- changed it up a little bit after that. Let's also talk about a game that happened earlier this year that went to nine overtimes because of this rule, just back and forth and back and forth. I don't like it. I don't like it. Really strange. Really strange. Really weird. Uh, but it is what it is. Now, let me talk about this because the comparison is being made right now that Alabama and Auburn as bad as Auburn was. Let's let's also talk about the fact that Auburn is playing with a backup quarterback who in the second half, especially the fourth quarter, could barely walk on his ankle. And they kept him in the game, but yet Auburn stayed in this game the entire time through four overtimes. Again, had the, had the lead through most of it. And finally, I guess Auburn's defense, I, I don't know why Auburn quit rushing Bryce Young because putting that pressure in his face, he was not able to do anything. Now, Jameson Williams did get ejected early in this game for targeting, which took him out for the rest of the game. Doesn't take him out any in the SEC championship game. He will be back, and I think he will be the one guy who will be rested and ready for that game. So this is where I'm going to transition into some of the previewing the SEC championship game we've got coming up against Alabama. He is one of the only guys who was able to rest because he was ejected in the first half of the Iron Bowl. So 
I know that he is going to be extremely eager when this game comes. He will be the one guy, not the one, I'm sure plenty will, but he will be one of the guys who is going to be extremely, extremely eager to play in this game, especially having to sit out in that Iron Bowl because he could have been a difference maker in it. He's been a difference maker in almost all the games they played all season, so don't sleep on that. One comparison I want to make now that I will probably make again on Thursday's episode when that comes out, previewing this game when I dive deep into it, but one comparison I want to make is Georgia's starters for the Georgia Tech game got a lot of rest. And like Kirby Smart said in his presser, not a lot of emotion in that game, which was a good thing when you were able to beat a team that bad, 45 to nothing. You just kind of get to cruise through that. You don't have to, there's not a lot of emotion wrapped up in it. It's not a long game. It's early, so your guys are resting. Alabama had to play their starters through this entire game. The entire game. Brian Robinson, I, I didn't see him very much later in this Iron Bowl, so I don't know exactly what's going on with him. But their starters had to play this entire game. And this isn't a game where you're playing a, a little team who's, you know, just kind of patting you on the back here and there. No, this is this is hard-nosed, as mean as it gets, two teams in the same state who very much so dislike each other, that are hitting each other as hard as they can every opportunity they can. And Alabama, every one of their starters had to play late into the night, playing four quarters of this game to get it done. So don't uh, say late into the night, not that late, but don't sleep on the fact that Alabama had to play a very hard game and all their starters had to play that entire game, much of which all season long, that has been the difference. Alabama, most of this time in, in every season, their starters are getting a lot of rest. A lot of rest because they're beating teams convincingly. And this year is not that. Their starters are having to play a lot. So a lot of guys are beat up. A lot of guys are doing all they can to make it. Now they're doing everything they can to continue. And they are 11-1. They are still the number three team in the country uh, as far as the AP poll goes. And I know I said I was going to go through that a minute ago. I don't know exactly why I didn't do that. But I'll go through it here in just a minute. But... That's, that's something I want everybody to pay attention to. Georgia will be very, very well rested. And there are five or six guys who played on this team for Georgia that played in the national championship game against Alabama a couple of years ago. There are multiple guys who played on this team against Alabama last year. Obviously, we didn't see them in the 2019 season because that was LSU's year. But this is something that, that Georgia has been needing and wanting to get over for a long time, and there is a great opportunity that for that to come. Let me also get this off the record first. Again, I'll dive deeper into this on Thursday. Show get make sure you guys tune in for that one because that's where I'm going to go very deep into this, and we're going to talk about it for a good little while because that's the only game we have to worry about that week, which I'm very excited about. But nonetheless, the comparison continues to be made between Alabama's games that are comparable to Georgia's games. For example, looking back on just a couple, Arkansas. Georgia beats Arkansas 37-0. Alabama beats them by a touchdown 42-35. to Giving up 35 points to Arkansas, who scored nothing on Georgia. Tennessee. Now, Alabama pretty much handed Tennessee this one, 52-24. Georgia does very similar, 41-17. By the way, Tennessee, the only team to score 17 points on Georgia. Now let's look at Florida. Alabama beats Florida by two points. Two points. Georgia beats Florida 34-2-7. We go back to the Auburn game. Obviously, this took four overtimes for Alabama, 24-2-22 ends up being the final. 
Georgia beats Auburn, what was it, 31 to 10? I believe that's how that one ended up shaking out. Something like that. Something like that. It's very similar to that. So, just something I do want to kind of put out there. Yes, there are those comparables, but when it comes to the Iron Bowl, this isn't something I really want to compare too much just because I've said this, I've always said this. I mean, I grew up in the state of Alabama, always been a Georgia fan, but this is a game that you do not get to base a lot on because, like I've said in the past, I may have even said this last week previewing these games in the preview pod, but Alabama doesn't have to be ranked to beat a ranked Auburn and vice versa. Auburn doesn't have to be ranked to beat a ranked Alabama. It doesn't matter where they play. It doesn't matter where they rank. Either team can beat either team on any given day. That's the thing about the Iron Bowl. It's always nitty-gritty, get-down, hard-nosed football, and that's what you saw this weekend. That's what you saw. No matter how good or bad either team's ranking or record was, this is always a down, just a, a dirty fight. And that does not need to be something that everybody looks at and goes, oh, yeah, you know, Alabama, they struggled with them. Georgia's going beat to the, beat the brakes off of them. That very well may happen, and I hope it does. Trust me when I say that I hope it happens. Oh, you can only imagine how much I would love that. But I mainly say this just because I want everybody to take a little bit of a deep breath because when you look at these comparisons and you think that, it's like, okay, you get your, high, your hopes set very high. And mine are. My, my hopes are very high, but that's because of how good Georgia and how consistent Georgia has been all season and how inconsistent Alabama has looked. Georgia has a very, very, very good possibility of getting over the hump this weekend in the SEC championship game when it matters most. Not only punching their ticket to play for the college football playoff, but also punching Alabama's ticket to not playing in the college football playoff. Punching them into a, maybe a New Year's six, six Bowl, and that's it. That's where their season ends, and Georgia looks to play two more games following this weekend. That's what we're hoping for. That is what Georgia's goal is right now. Right now, today, has nothing to do with the month of January. Has nothing. Today, Georgia's primary focus is to beat Bama. That's it. That's it, and that's what we're going to gear for. Like I said, I'm going to break this down much, much more in depth coming up on the Thursday show. So, again, make sure you guys, Thursday morning, first thing, check your check your podcast wherever you guys listen, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere, Spotify. I mean, we're, we're on anything, iHeartRadio. You check it out. We're anywhere that you guys listen to podcasts. Just look us up, Dog Talk, and there we are. Boom. Hit it. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us that five-star rating. We'd appreciate that if I see your review on there. I will read it on the show coming up as well. Also on the Twitter, which I need to go back to because I completely forgot to put the Twitter polls from the Georgia Tech game in because I did actually run a few on that. Before we do that, let's at least look at the AP AP poll ranking, which obviously tomorrow on Tuesday night, that's going to change when the college football playoff poll comes out. But I think it should be fairly similar to this. There's going to be some change up, but I think it's going to be a little different. The AP poll ranking right now has... Georgia 1, Michigan 2 actually has Cincinnati at 3, Alabama 4, Oklahoma State 5, Notre Dame 6, Ohio State all the way down to 7, Ole Miss at 8, Baylor 9, and Oregon at 10. That's where I'm going to stop because most everything below that doesn't necessarily matter. The only other team I'm going to talk about is Clemson being 22nd, which they're 23rd in the college football playoff ranking last week. 
The only changeup I see here, Georgia will be at the top regardless when that when that comes out. The changeup is going to be: Do they decide that Michigan is worthy of jumping Alabama the way that Alabama struggled with Auburn, and with Michigan being able to take the number two team down in the country, will they put Michigan two? Me personally, I believe they should, and I believe they will. This will be the question next: Is do they do like the co- the AP poll did and drop Alabama to fourth, putting Cincinnati at third? Will they do that? That part I'm not sure of. Because I think then you want to look at the head-to-head and say, all right, if Alabama and Cincinnati play right now, who's winning? And I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. And we may not find out the answer to that. I know I've said in the weeks past, and, and last week I even prefaced this again, and I said I believe it's going to be Georgia and Ohio State. I did not anticipate Michigan to be able to play the way that they did. Uh, I, I'm proud of Michigan. Very excited for Michigan. I now think that it's probably going to end up being Georgia and Michigan because – Michigan lines up very well with Wisconsin losing last week, getting to play Iowa in the what is it, Big Ten Conference Playoff, Conference Championship, excuse me. I think Michigan's going to win that, and they get their bid into the college football playoff. Cincinnati's got Houston. I think they should take care of that. I think Alabama, we'll talk about that later this week. But then you got Oklahoma State on the outside looking in. Now they've got to play again to be able to get to that after the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, excuse me, Big 12 Conference Championship. Notre Dame, the bad part for them, sitting in sixth, they don't have a game. They don't have another game. So really at this point, Georgia, I think, is in. Michigan, as long as they win, they're in. Cincinnati, as long as they win, they're in. Alabama has to beat Georgia to get in. We'll, we'll dive into that Thursday. But then on the outside, if Oklahoma State wins, I think there's your top four. It can go very simple. If Georgia handles business, if Michigan handles business, Cincinnati handles business, and Oklahoma State handle their business, that's your top four right there. That could very well end up being your top four after conference championship week. Right now, I think it's going to line up Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Cincinnati. I think it's going to be your top four tomorrow, and we'll see. We'll see if that's what lines up or what doesn't because I'm not really sure. Hey, is that going to matter? Is that actually going to be what comes up or not? Now, let's jump backwards. Since I completely just went past it, I apologize. Looking back on Twitter at our polls from this past week uh, because I do need to pull those up from the Georgia Tech game. All right, into the polls here. Stetson Bennett passing yards versus Tech over under 225 yards. Y'all did a great job. You voted 50-50. Way to go. So it was over, but neither y'all all just went even with it. So that is what it is. These are the two that kind of got me here. Rushing touchdowns versus Tech. I said over or under four rushing touchdowns. 90% of you guys went with over four, and unfortunately we only had two, so it ended up being that under, so 10% hits on that. JT Daniels, I thought, would play the entire second half and actually get to throw the ball some. That didn't happen. I had his over-under set at 125 yards passing, and he didn't throw the ball at all. So under 125 hits, that's at 38%. Jordan Davis over under one touchdown. 62% of you guys went with under. He does not get one. Didn't really think that would happen. Just thought that would be a fun one to put out there. Zeus touchdowns versus Tech, 0-1 to one or 2-4. to four. 80% of you guys go with 2-4. to four. Unfortunately, you get zero. So 20% hits on that. James Cook, I did this for both running backs because I thought both running backs would get a chance to at least get two apiece. That did not happen for either of them. So 5% of you guys with the 0-1. to one. And then we get George picking snaps versus Tech. This is one that got the most votes. Is he playing or not? And 59% of y'all go with he's playing, and guess what? That hits. He takes a couple of snaps and actually got a catch on the night as well. That was awesome to see. Really looking forward to seeing what he can do this upcoming week. Really excited about that because, hey, it's time. It's time to start looking forward. We get to look forward to this week. 
which we have been hoping to get to all season. Our first goal was to win the first game. Our second goal was to win the second game. And until 12 weeks later, or at least what is now technically, I guess, week 14 that we're coming on, I believe, or 15. I don't even know. It's hard to keep it all together now. But every week it's been about who we have sitting in front of us. And all of us that do podcasts, all of us that do recruiting all of us that do everything outside of being the coach of the Georgia Bulldogs have been looking ahead wondering can we get there and guess what we're here and we've all been looking ahead to seeing who it's going to be and we've all been kind of hoping this is going to be who it is and it is it's Georgia it's Alabama we're playing in the SEC championship game and you better believe I'm looking forward to it I know you guys are too again make sure you guys tune in on Thursday for the preview of the SEC championship game we've got coming up against Alabama. Really excited about that. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at DogTalk20. We'll try to keep any news or information that comes out up and to you guys. Really appreciate you guys listening. I'll check in on you on Thursday. Go dogs.